Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time. This is Lead Time with Tim Allman and Jacob Bessling. Today we are interviewing Jack Kalberg, our Director of Finance and Operations at Christ Greenfield Lutheran Church and School, and we are pumped that you are joining us today. We're talking about execution. It is a great day to be alive. Today we're talking about execution. Organizations do not often have a vision problem. Sometimes they do, and if that is the case leader, get a vision. If you're a Jesus follower, it's the greatest vision of all time to reach those who do not know Jesus, bring them into the kingdom of light, out of the kingdom of darkness. And we're going to talk about really with the team executing. Um, it's one thing to talk. It's another thing to do. And we are a part of a ministry and really in a culture. It really is a larger culture here in uh, our neck of the wood, woods in the eastern neck of the woods. valley of Phoenix, where people actually, a lot of our folks have a business background. And they care about not just talk, but production. And and from production to metrics, are we measuring what matters here? Are we moving towards something productive? And again, if you're in the church, you have the greatest mission of all time. And we ought to be putting some hardcore metrics around that, which means we need to focus on execution. So toward that end, Jack Kalberg is here. Jack's first experience with leadership was as an NCO in the military. He joined the Army out of high school in 1993, served for four years, active duty. Thank you very much there, brother. Yes. You're welcome. He continued in the National Guard and served a total of 22 years. Following Jack's term on active duty, he went to ASU on the GI Bill, graduated summa cum laude. He's a smart guy with a degree in finance from ASU. Jack's first job out of college was in the corporate world as a credit analyst for Honeywell. During his time there, he earned his Greenbelt Six Sigma certification and led a project to streamline and automate collections, dispute tracking. This sounds marvelous. And reporting processes, kind of like it does to drink um, something you don't want to drink. And reporting processes for the Canadian Aerospace <laughs> Divisions. He also served on their global credit risk team where he would evaluate and set credit limits for their international clients. Jack, how long did you do that awful job description right there? It was actually pretty cool. It was two, <laughs> pretty cool. two and a half years. Sorry, You loved offend. it. All right. From there, though, he went off to Honeywell. He was recruited to serve in a startup commercial mortgage broker brokerage as their chief of operations. He did extensive recruiting with and training as he was responsible for developing their software and engineering, their marketing and underwriting processes. Mm -hmm. Uh, During Jack's time there, the company grew from a small home-based operation into one of the top 10 mortgage brokerages in the state of Arizona. We went through a hard time in the state of Arizona. After the real estate bust in 2007, Jack shifted gears and worked for a period of time in software consulting and development. He also started to work on a, par- on a part-time basis as a business manager, and this begins his story at Christ Greenfield Lutheran Church and School. Uh, he began to work at that time as our business manager. Over time, Jack's role grew here within our ministry, our church and school, and he now serves, again, as a full-time executive director of finance and ops. In Jack's capacity as executive director here, friends, he leads the finance and ops department. He's been instrumental in transforming our organization's financial condition. We were very, very financially anxious. And he has uh, recruited talented workers to ex- expand our operations, operational capacity. He has been effective in leading the organization toward becoming more data. This is very counterintuitive, oftentimes mm-hmm. for churches. Data, systems, 
and automation to lead us to become more automation driven. Jack is a member of our executive team and he's helping to cast vision into the future. Jack, thanks so much for joining us here on Lead Time. Thank you. It's a joy. You have had yeah. so many experiences, brother. This yeah. is Jake here, and uh, you've in the military at Honeywell. Uh, you've had uh, then the military experience, the business experience, and now the church experience. Yeah. So a lot of different opportunities to lead, and I'm sure you've learned a ton in that. And uh, you've blessed me and your leadership, and so many here at Christ Greenfield. Um, if you were to give our listeners kind of what is the greatest learning that you've had as you've grown in your leadership, what would be a couple of points there? The number one learning uh, that I had st- still comes from the military, which is that leaders lead from the front, right? And so this comes from the uh, my time as an NCO. And, and what does that mean? It means that you need to lead by example. You need to be the change that you want to see in other people. And you want to also make sure that when you're asking people to do stuff, it's not because it's below you. You have to delegate as a leader, right? And people need to share in the responsibilities of what's happening. So, you know you have to periodically show that you're willing to do what they do, yep. right? And we do that here at, you know, at Christ Greenfield. We have some of these big events, you know, right. Spring Fest, Harvest Fest. I, I make it a point, make sure, hey, I'm out there as a volunteer just like the rest of you with the same shirt on, you know, right. walking around with a walkie-talkie, doing the same kind of work that we expect other people to do. We're there with you. We're sharing in, in you know, the pain but also the benefit that comes in growing the ministry, so, you know, that's what it's about. It's about, you know, and that's part of the servant leadership model. Amen. There's so many things to be said um, in leading like a Navy SEAL. There's a lot that's been written about that recently. And one of the main things they say is if your pack is off or you're ill-prepared, Ill- it doesn't matter if it's the private going to the general. If something's wrong mm-hmm. with a general, I mean, he has the obligation to bring it. Now, maybe not a right. private to a general. He's dealing with, you know what I'm talking about. But you have to on that team. Everybody is accountable for everything all the time. There's nothing right. that's off lim- limits. And a lot of times right. a leader says, no, that's untouchable. That's untouchable. Right. That's what you're getting at, isn't it? Yes. Right, Jack? Yeah. Right. For sure. Right. Good stuff. Organizations do not have a vision problem, Jack. Well, maybe some do. But for those who do not, how can a heavy vision uh, organization move from talk to execution? Give us some points about how you move from actually just saying, I, I could, it'd be great if we got here someday. Yeah. But no one is actually putting together the plan to get there. Well, you know, think back to school, right? Um, whether it's the seminary for you guys or business school, in, in my case, you know, they'll teach a lot of really fantastic theory about really important stuff, right? You know, in my case, and, in, in, you know, they're teaching about here's how to do a marketing plan. Here's how to do financial analysis. Here's how to construct a budget. So a lot of incredible theory. And you put that theory together and you create a strategy of something that you want to do. Here's a business idea or, in our case, a ministry idea. Wonderful. Organizations are full of ideas. <laughs> Wonderful ideas. Yet you'll see that organizations really struggle actually executing on their ideas. It's because they don't teach execution in school very effectively. They teach a lot of theory. So what we're doing to counter that is we've adopted uh, the four execution, the four disciplines of execution. Pause there before we go on. And there's good reason, I think, as to why it's not taught at school. It's because execution is contextual. Right. Well, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're, they're right. teaching theory. They don't exactly know the environment that right. you're going to be in. So right. there's no shame if you're a leader and you say, no. I didn't learn that. No, duh. No. You've got to be mentored. You've got to be no. in an environment where you can be pushed toward no. execution. But there is shame if you're saying, I don't really need that now. 
So well, you need to walk absolutely. into that. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell us more about that, Jack. So yeah, so we, we, we organize our execution around the four disciplines of execution. It's based on a book by uh, Stephen Covey. Um, fantastic book that we became aware of a few years ago when we were at the Global Leadership Summit. Um, so basically what you're doing in that context is you're trying to construct a winnable game, a game that can be won. And everybody can get behind the rules and say, hey, you know, let's all win together, right? And, and we know the power of what it means, the psychology of being able to win, right? And we've had this discussion a lot of times. What does it mean to win at Christ yes. Greenfield? And you'll see kids when they're playing, right, out on the court. They're throwing basketball. The moment that, uh, that they start keeping score, right, the intensity changes dramatically, right? No one likes to play a game and not keep score. Parents, right. if that's your – man, just – let your yeah. kids keep score. <laughs> and we know what it, we know what it you means lose. to live. You know, we're, we're living with the consequences now of the games where there's nobody's a winner. That's right. right? It's like destructive. No, you got to. We need to learn how Everyone to win and how to trophy. lose. You know. <laughs> so, what does that look like? What are what are the actual four disciplines? So, discipline number one is to focus on one wildly important goal. Whoa, whoa! I want to focus on like three or four. Why would no, I want to do that? No, you cannot focus on three, do that. three or four. It's a wig. Wildly important goal. <laughs> yeah. Why focus on one? One. Well. One. This is based on research, right? So if a team is assigned to accomplish one really difficult goal, then how many will they get done, in your opinion? One goal? Yeah. One. They'll get one done. But that might be the best one to get done. (laughs) And if they're assigned two goals, then they might come together and really rally together and get two done. It's going to be tough, though. It's going to be a hard one. If you give them three, they may get two done really poorly. Yep. Um, and if you give them more than three, they may get zero done. So the more goals right? that they're dilution. having, the less right. they're going to get. There's a, there's a, there is an inverse relationship by the amount of goals that you decide to tackle all at once and your actual ability to actually get it done. It's, That's really it freeing. You focus. Know? It's not exhaustive uh, and the pressure of I have these 10 different goals, but really looking at your team and saying this is the one important goal that would what move the needle right. in the next, what would you say, four months, six it's months, It's a season. Year. Sometimes it's six months. Sometimes it's a year. Sometimes it can be really short and be three months, usually probably not going less than three months. Um, we've done ones that have gone longer than a year, right? And you know, But usually we try and keep it to six months. So to get to that point, you've got to understand organizational capacity. Do you have the ability in your organization right. to set aside 10, 20% of your time uh, rather than just getting – and the book talks about it beautifully yeah. – rather getting suffocated by the whirlwind. The whirlwind. The whirlwind. Yeah. That's the so emails, the it's everything conversations, you do. counseling. Yeah, everything, everything you, you do, do during the day. So here's the deal. You know, you look into every single organization, whether it's a great organization or an absolutely – failing organization and in both cases they're full of extremely busy people yep and so what does that mean it means that busyness doesn't mean that you're being productive yep so how do you how do you tap into that busyness how do you construct it so that so that people know yeah i got to carve out some of that time to do something that's wildly important and leader you have to get corporate buy-in right for that right. one goal, there has to be and robust dialogue, a discussion around that, right? Yes, and it's probably one of the toughest things that a leader can do. There's a great quote from the book uh, where they say, nothing is more counterintuitive to a leader than to say no to great ideas, hmm. and nothing is more destructive than saying yes to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I believe that, right? Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. the delusion effect. You, you know, I believe that 
in the long run, we're going to have all the resources that we need to do what we need to do as a ministry, right? But in the short term, the resources are finite. The space is finite. The volunteers are finite. The money is finite. There's only the, so the much attention, capacity. There's only so much capacity can be addressed at this moment in this time, right? That's and right. you have to prioritize. So we got to focus on one wildly important goal. Mm-hmm. The second one is what? Uh, act on the lead measure, right? So this is kind of an interesting concept, you know. Um, a lot of times people, they try and rally behind a goal and they focus on the goal, but they don't focus on the things that get you to the goal. So a lead measure as opposed to a lag measure is, what does it mean to you? Just really quick. leads you to the goal? It leads you to the goal. So lead is something that happens before. Lag is something that happens after. Yep. Right? If, uh, you know, I've I've given this example for weight loss. Uh, You get on the scale. That's, you're measuring something after the fact. Well, after what? It's after everything you've done during the week or during the month. That's what, what your weight is telling you, right? The work that needs to be done. So the work that needs to be done, the lead measures is actually, well, how much did I eat? How yep. much did I sleep? How much did I exercise? Those are the right. lead measures. You measure the lead measures, and that's actually more important than measuring the lag measure. Because once you measure the lag, it's, it's after the fact. And each one of those lead measures has to have a person. A person, Responsible. right? Or in some cases, it could even be a team that takes it on. We call those subwig teams, right? And a very important thing, a due date. A due date. Yep, absolutely. I'm going to get so, this quantity of work done by this date. So when we organize, we, we have our weekly meetings and we kind of have those those lead measures or they can be steps as well, certain steps that need to be accomplished. And we code those as red, yellow, and green means that we're on time. Uh, yellow means that we think we can be on time, but we're struggling, but we got a solution, right? But it's just kind of a way of reporting in. There's some issues. And then red means I'm not making this deadline in any way that I can think of. I need the team's help to figure this out. It's really, right? really good. All right. So the first discipline, you got a wildly important goal, wig. One. The, the second one, one, only one. one. The second one is act on the lead measures. Mm-hmm. Now, your whole team is how are they keeping up with this? How do they see What's going on? These lead lag measures. Right. How are they focused on it? What would be the third then? So the third discipline then is to keep a compelling scorecard. That sounds fun. Right. <laughs> so, you know, go back to the sports analogy. You got the giant scoreboard out there. Yep. Everybody sees what team is winning, right? right. In, what a, doing. in a very clear scoring system. There's no doubt when you go to a game who's winning as long as there's a scoreboard up, right? So you'll see this in businesses. You'll see this in factories sometimes where they'll have the sign up on the, you know, up on the walkway. When you walk in, it says, you know, uh, it's been 75 days since the last injury, right? One day since one, the last one day, death. Uh, you know, yes. Ouch. <laughs> Do not go to But, that well, place. clearly everybody knows that they failed when that yes. happened, right? Yeah. So they know that, you know, they've set an important goal around safety, and everybody knows whether they're winning or losing based on the number of days it's been. If it's been 400 days – you know, and you're doing a pretty good job around safety, right? If you're keeping a team accountable or say you have a direct report and that person is obstinate, they are overwhelmed, they're kind of wringing their hands, you can tell they're really, really anxious. One more thing, it's going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. I just don't know if I can function if I do one more thing. One more thing. Leader, that's a good opportunity for you to have a really hard conversation and explore if they need to be repositioned in your organization. Yeah. Yeah unacceptable to not go after the one main goal to, to not be a co-owner exactly in that and that's what you're trying to do as a team is to get everybody to be a co-owner on it so you know just this is kind of an uh, a leader tip if you happen to be leading a team as as 
the, the, the leader of the wig, right? What you're trying to do is you're trying to give the team ownership of the steps that they'll mm-hmm. accomplish. They're, they're the subject matter experts, hopefully, right? If they're not, that's a problem. But hopefully they're the subject matter experts in what you're trying to achieve. Let them construct those steps. And then you as the leader, try to give them full ownership of that. You can veto if it's, you know, it's clear to you there's not a connection between what, what's going on here. But other than vetoing, try and give them as much ownership as possible to own the winning that occurs, right, based on the scorecard. Exactly. Right? And then to say, if you are overwhelmed, let's look at all the things you're doing. Absolutely. Do I even have clear – and this is where leaders have to take responsibility. Do I even have clear – Areas of authority that mm-hmm. I have given over to you, and with that area of authority, goals that you're working toward, yeah. and then we're going to prioritize. We're not going to do this. We're going to choose the bomb at this. It's okay for this season, and then we really need you to double right. down on on our wildly important right. goals. So, you know, I, I can speak on behalf of the the finance and operations department that um, just about everybody that works in that team is either 150 to 200 percent overtasked, and I'm okay with that because I'm giving them permission to say. These are the things we're working on now. These are the things that are going to be put on the back burner. Things I can right? delegate. They, things that they can delegate, things that they can push down, right? They, they have permission to do that. If they ever struggle with that, then, you know, right away, I'm willing to sit down with them and say, okay, let's number this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You, you know, you hit right now, you're going to hit one, two, and three, and then let the other ones go, you know? All right, so we had the, the three disciplines of execution. The fourth one is what? Create a cadence of accountability, all right. right. And so I'm going to say that, in my opinion, that this is the most important of the disciplines. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be, let's say, you can do some refinement work on the other three and, and work through that and figure out how to do it right. But if you're not doing the, the regular cadence of accountability, everything else is going to fall apart. So, with that, how often do you meet for the accountability? No less than weekly. Got to do weekly. Now, it could be more than weekly if you're in a very, very early phase of a wig and you're just trying to figure things out. Like, what is it that we're, you know, how do we even measure success and all that kind of stuff? Sometimes that can necessitate, necessitate more than a once a week meeting. And a lot of times the meetings that are happening coming out of that are offline, right? So, there's a certain step that's been assigned. Mm-hmm. There's a little sub team that goes and they meet and they may meet for hours to hammer something out. And then they come back to the weekly meeting, the weekly meeting. Once you're in a rhythm, shouldn't take more than 20 minutes. It's just a check-in. It just says, Hey, you know, here's what everybody committed to last week. Did you do it? Yes or no. Okay. Now let's take a look at the scorecard. Did we actually move the scorecard? Yes or no. You wrap up the meeting saying, okay, what can we do next? What are your commitments to move the scorecard even further over the next week. So, Jack, you've done a marvelous job leading our WIG meetings, and uh, it's pretty good for us as pastors not to have to lead that and have someone on on our team do that, and you um, are a bull there. You just don't let anyone off the hook. It's awesome, (laughs) including ourselves. And so that's the four disciplines of execution by Covey. Uh, Pick that up. Buy it on Amazon now. You'll probably have it by the afternoon or get it on Kindle. (laughs) Now, in in your role, though, as Director of Finance and Operations – uh, especially there's times and there's seasons, uh, maybe we're uh, in a life cycle of a church or an organization where funding might be a little drier. At other times, it's like seven years of plenty and seven years of want and storage. Right, right. So um, uh, a lot of people come and they want different things. They want you to say yes to almost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you got to say no. But how are you striving to maintain an open posture toward new ideas, how you working towards saying yes 
within reason. So how do you kind of determine yes and no? Yeah. Well, let me start off by saying uh, I've definitely walked through a season where I had to say no to a lot of things. And that is determined by the environment that you're in, you know. So as we as Tim had mentioned earlier, Christ Greenfield went through a season about 10 years ago where it was serious financial hardship, right? And, um, you know, we, you were, we were 90 days past due on all the bills and accounts payable and massive debt and really short on liquidity and budget deficits. So, yeah, at that point in time, you're saying no to a lot of things. Hey, can we pay for a barbecue? No. You know, it's like <laughs> it was very I'm still hurt about nose, that. These the nose were very quick. Right. But, uh, you know, with discipline and, you know, the, the great effort of many people to get this place turned around and God's help, you know, we're in a different season now. So we've moved from a, a no to, well, let's talk about that. You know, is that is that a priority? Can we do it? And a lot of times we're saying yes to a lot more things than we used to say uh, no to in the past. So what I do is I try and look at you know, is there, is it a good no? Is it a bad no? Is it a good yes? Is it a bad yes? I have some examples here, you know, um, let's say a good no, right? Is anything that distracts or takes away critical resources from your organization's core purpose or values. That's awesome. That's good. Right. Really keeps you focused on the main thing. And and that's exactly what a wig is. A wig is saying, you know, and it's not a permanent no. It means a lot of times it just means not yet. Not right now. Right. Not right now. You know, so in the short term, like I said, you know, all all of these resources are finite. How are you going to focus them? As opposed to a good no, what's a bad no? A bad no would be anything that's rooted in narcissism, right? Right. So that's tough, but it's my idea. Some, some leaders, you know, they they see themselves as the giver of all the great ideas, <laughs> right? And they'll say no because it wasn't their idea, mm. right? And so that's. That's the worst reason. It's, you know, or let's say micromanaging. That's mm. kind of a micromanage. I have to be in control of everything. So when you're saying no, you have to balance yourself and say, am I saying no because this is really diverting away from our core values or core priorities, strategic priorities? Or is it because I didn't come up with the idea and it didn't fit my idea of what, like, well, all the good ideas, right? Exactly. That's, you know, that's just terrible and it's really toxic. Man, if you're in that spot, uh, humble yourself and right. allow your team. A lot of the greatest ideas are not any of ours, Jack, Tim, or myself. Right. It comes from the team. So mm-hmm. allow your team to dream, mm-hmm. dream as a team. Um, what about a bad yes and a good yes? Well, a bad yes. So I'm, I'm going to say this, you know, <laughs> kind of the opposite of what we talked before. A bad yes is something where we're mistaking busyness for productivity, hmm. right? So we can you know, a leader can say, well, see how busy we are, right? So anytime somebody comes by and says, can I do this? Yes, because we're going to be more busy, right? And mm. it's, no, it's not about how busy. It's about how are we nailing the, the organization's objectives? How are we winning in what we're supposed to be winning at, right? And so that can often, and it can also come from a sense of appeasement. You know, I want to be, I want everybody to celebrate me as a leader. So I'm going to say yes to every single thing that comes across my desk. And you have to have a little bit more grit and fortitude than that, than to say yes to absolutely everything, right? And just like the quote said before, it, it can be very counterintuitive and destructive um, if you say yes to everything. We really want to work toward the good yeses, yep. right? Root and empowerment, alignment, and yep. really focused on on good data. If you uh, if you're a leader and you have a team and, and yourself can't stay focused, I would rewind the last two minutes <laughs> and then write on your wall the bad no. The good no, the bad yes, and strive for that good, good yes. Good yes. Yes, I hope you're taking some notes. I've said this before, that churches need a Jack Calberg. 
with his sort of skill set and experiences. Please find them. So I like just don't take our Jack. Just don't take our Jack. That's right. So I love. Uh, GCU, Grand Canyon University, yeah. endorsement for them. Great Brian Mueller, Lutheran follower of Jesus, yeah. strong Lopes. Christian. Yeah, mm-hmm. go Lopes. But Brian has Stan Meyer, who is an execution-oriented guy. And Brian would say yeah. GCU would not be where they are today apart from Stan's execution bent. So how would you coach a pastor or a business owner, maybe that specializes, because we all have a bent. Right. We specialize more in vision or execution. How would you uh, coach them, say a pastor, to find someone like that within their congregation? If a pastor was trying to find somebody like a me, right, um, the, the way that I came about into my role is I came from the business world. I had experience in, in, you know, in an executive operational role building a business, and it was very broad, and it was very execution-oriented. Um, so I had that real-life experience behind it. It was more than just theoretical coming out of school. So I would say... There's probably a lot of people out there that are in that situation, some sort of a business leader that's got that strong operational uh, core um, that is saying, hey, you know, I, I feel good about the work that I've done in the business world, but maybe I'm not as happy about it because I'm not transforming lives in the way that we do here in the church, right? So, you know, in my case, I really loved the work that I did in the commercial lending business, but... You know, we weren't we weren't helping in the Great Commission like we do here, and you know, so meaning. even though the you pay, meaning, so right. even though the pay is different, is like the meaning and the mm-hmm. purpose is that's like right. off the charts different. So it's very appealing for the right type of person, and that's the type of person that you want exactly. in, this, in this particular exactly. case. Exactly, Jack, you've done a marvelous job here at Christ Greenfield. Let me just list a few of the things. I mean, it's cultural turnaround from internally to externally focused. You've helped us with our financial turnaround, mm-hmm. which supports the mission and vision of what God is doing here. And you've also helped us to scale up our operational capacity. And we have dreams to not just be a benefit to make Christ Greenfield, but if we could be a blessing to other churches yeah. that are struggling and, and we can coach along in places mm-hmm. we've been there. Yes, We absolutely. understand your pain and your struggle. If we can it's, coach them, everything you're doing is to be shared. God only gives to us what he knows will flow through us. So you have, yeah. you have done a marvelous job toward that end. couple questions to close here, brother. What book are you currently reading? Um, so I keep turning back towards the four disciplines of execution because I have to operate in mm-hmm. it so much. So I constantly am referring back to it. Um, Empowering Leaders, yep. uh, that's a, a book that our entire staff has, has been walking through as we focus on our current WIG, which is focused on leadership multiplication. Exactly. If you right? care about multiplication, Empowering Leaders, Hero Maker is another one. You write along the same right. lines. Good Absolutely. stuff. Empowering and then, Leadership. What else? And then for my own personal health benefit, I've been walking through the Daniel plan, trying to lose some weight. Proud of you. <laughs> You're looking yeah. great. You're looking Thank great. You. What's your primary <laughs> word of advice as we uh, close here for young leaders? My primary word of advice for young leaders is to take risks, right? Um, Leadership requires courage, and you need to confront your fears and do it early in life, right? So so what are some examples? Maybe it's public speaking, right? Public speaking terrifies a lot of people, but if you're going to be successful in business or in ministry, yeah, be able to speak in front of a group, right? right? So. Get out there and do it. Once you do it enough times and, and you go through that terrifying experience, you learn that you're not going to like literally die. 
yeah. <laughs> and so you learn you learn, you learn that you learn that you can do it right and <laughs> as as time goes by and you learn that you can do it you build up your confidence so you have to have confidence and a willingness to take risk and invest in the things that you know are a serious deficit that you may be bringing in you know as as a new less experienced person so the other thing too is to know that you will as a leader as a young leader fail right Failure is part of the game. And Don't, failure is not fatal. Failure is not fatal. So I, I say Good sermon title. fail early and fail often while you're young. Do it, you know, learn the lessons that have to be learned. Learn, learn well from it. Fail gracefully. Take what you've learned and, and improve yourself and improve your team with that failure. Um, and then I would say um, set a worthy purpose with your life, <laughs> right? So, I mean, again, we talked about, you know, why would I move from the business world into the ministry world? It, it, it it all turns back to being able to help and share in the Great Commission, which to me is probably the, one of the most worthy purposes that exists out there. There's a lot of other worthy purposes. It can be around charity, and it's often found in business too. A lot of businesses do really yep. wonderful, worthwhile stuff. But, you know, ask that question in yourself. If, is it all about money? Is it all about status? I don't think those are the things that really make yep. people happy. I think you got to go deeper than that and understand exactly. why are you doing what you're doing. Excellent. It has been a joy uh, to have you with us today. You are a gift to uh, the wider church, and it is a beautiful thing to dream with churches to move from just vision to execution. Thank you so much, (laughs) friends, for joining us on Lead Time. Uh, May Jesus bless you mightily as day by day you grow and continue to learn. We'll see you next time on Lead Time. See you later, guys. Thanks, Jack. You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. Please subscribe at cglchurch.org backslash lead time. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday for another episode.